Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. I am so excited about today. Wow, man. My favorite movie of all time, 1986, Top Gun, right? It's like whether, you know, uh, you've lost that love and feeling or whether uh, you're buzzing the tower or maybe you're going Mach 2 with your hair on fire. Like, man, just you got to have the need. The need for? That's right. Man, I'm so excited. I'm going to take these off because I'm going to fall off the stage. I'm so pumped. This movie was supposed to come out in 2020, so we've waited two years. I say we. I have waited two years for At The Movies to be able to do this movie. And so I am pumped because this movie, if I was ever supposed to use a movie to kickstart a message, it's this one for At The Movies. And I am so pumped because the original, like I said, 1986, this movie came out. As a kid, I loved Top Gun. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I had the Top Gun hat. I had the jacket with the patches. I had model airplanes hanging from my ceiling. Like, man, I was in it. I loved it. And actually, I wanted to be a fighter pilot for several, several years until as I got older and I found out you had to be shorter than six feet tall to, do a, to fly a fighter jet. Now, I think that's changed now. I'm kind of mad about that, that they changed that later. But at that point, my dreams were devastated. I was so upset. And like, and speaking of, this is a little side note. If any of you or know somebody that can, get me into the cockpit of a fighter jet. I will take you on vacation of your choice with me. Like, let's, I'm just throwing it out there, okay? Here's my sales pitch. If you can get, I, even if I puke the whole time, I'm going to love every second of it, okay? So I would love to do that. But... Here's why I tell you all of this, because of this movie right here, that this movie is one of these movies that is bringing back something from almost, you know, 35 years ago, right? It is a movie that maybe sticks to the heart of a lot of you like it does me, maybe not as much as it does me, uh, but it is my, the original is my favorite movie of all time, and I loved the new one. In fact, I've seen it three times, and I've cried four times in each of the three times I've seen the movie. So... Uh, I don't want to do any spoilers, and I know there's some of you, for whatever reason, haven't seen it yet, Uh, but let me read this description to you, only because I don't want to go too far and give too many spoilers. So here's the description that you will find online. It says, after more than 30 years of service as one of the Navy's top aviators, Pete Maverick Mitchell, played by Tom Cruise, is where he belongs, pushing the envelope as a courageous test pilot and dodging the advancement in rank that would ground him. When he finds himself training a detachment of Top Gun graduates for a specialized mission the likes of which no living pilot has ever seen, Maverick encounters Lieutenant Bradley Bradshaw, played by Miles Teller, who has an amazing mustache, by the way. It's like brought the mustache back. I was going to grow one, but we didn't have three years for me to do that. Um, But his call sign is Rooster, and he is the son of Maverick's late friend and former radar intercept officer, Lieutenant Nick Bradshaw, also known as Goose. Yes, the tears begin to flow at this point. I'm getting emotional already. Facing an uncertain future and confronting the ghost of his past, Maverick is drawn into confrontation with his own deepest fears, culminating in a mission that demands the ultimate sacrifice from those who will be chosen to fly it. Now, as we know in the, at this At The Movie series, we are not preaching the movie, right? We just use this as a kickstart, as a springboard to talk about spiritual truth. And this movie has been killing it in the box office, and I would love to tell you a whole lot more about how amazing this movie is. But as Maverick would say, it's confidential. 
I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you, right? Like, you know how it goes. And so uh, here's what we're going to do. As we go into this message, if you've got a Bible or on your notes or whatever, it's Romans 5 is where we're going to begin today. But as you're going there, here's what I want you to think about. If you have seen this movie, you may have seen this underlying theme throughout the entire movie. And it's all about Maverick kind of justifying his, his sins, his past sins, his mistakes, the things that he has done wrong. It's all about how can I make up for this, you know, from losing Goose years ago, but also all the little decisions he makes along the way and kind of in the, the 30 years in between with Miles Teller's character, Rooster. He made some mistakes with him and just in his life and relationships. And he's always trying to justify or to make up for the past mistakes and past sins of his life, which I think sounds familiar for a lot of us. Right? We try to do and, make, and do things and accomplish things to make up for all of our past sins and our past mistakes. We, we mess up and we think, man, if I can just do this, that'll make up for that. But what I want us to be able to look at in Scripture today out of Romans 5, beginning in verse 1, tells us exactly what needs to happen for us to be justified. It says, therefore, in verse 1, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us." This passage of scripture is maybe one that you are familiar with, especially that very first part, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. This passage is gonna really just lay out the foundation of what we are talking about today and the idea that we are justified by our faith, but also a couple other things. And the very first point on your outline is this. Number one, I am free because Jesus Christ made peace with God. I am free because Christ made peace with God. Not because I have made peace with God, but because Jesus has made peace with God. And so you read this passage of scripture and you see we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We first need to be at peace with God because of what Jesus did on the cross in order to be justified. Well, what does justified mean? To, have, to be justified is to be found free or to be found righteous in the sight of God. If you think, I've heard this little statement, to think about the word justified is just as if I had never sinned. So if you have been justified, it's you're living your life justified, you're living just as if you have never sinned. That's what God sees when he looks at you when you have a relationship with Christ. You see, justification is one of these things, it's making someone righteous and free in the sight of God. It's making us righteous and free so that when God looks at us, he doesn't see our sins. He doesn't see our past mistakes, our problems, and our struggles. But what he sees is Christ, and he sees freedom, and he sees righteousness. You see, we have been saved because of Jesus, not because of ourselves, not because of our work, but because of the work of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to hold on to. We have peace with God that leads to hope with God, as we see in these verses. To be at peace with God. That should, be the, that should be the goal for each and every one of us, to have peace with God that only comes through our relationship with Christ. And our relationship with Christ is something that has grown and nurtured throughout our, our life in the time that we spend in God's word, in the time that we spend in prayer, in the time that we spend in worship and in serving and in community and accountability, in repentance of our sins. You see, we need to understand that we can have this peace with God, because, and when we have this peace, we can not only be free of our sin and of, in, in this life, but we can have a hope that's an eternal hope. That's what we want to long for. That's what we want to strive for. Romans 5, uh, 1 and 2, let me read it again. 
He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. We have access to his grace. It's, it's something that we obtain by, uh, by our faith that we have with him. See, faith in Jesus leads to the blessings of things like faith, love, joy, hope, compassion, mercy. You name it, you obtain these things because you have access to God through faith in Jesus Christ. We can't have access to God by anything that we do. There's nothing you can do or nothing you can accomplish, nothing you can make up for in the past sins and past mistakes that you have in your life. There's nothing you can do on your own, but it comes through a relationship with Christ and faith in him that brings us closer to God, that brings us in union with him. See, God dispenses his character on us when we have faith. When we have faith in Christ, we receive in the character of God. It's dispensed on us. It's, we're clothed in it. It becomes a part of who we are our DNA, our identity, our soul, our everything that we are becomes a part of who God is when it places that, that, you know, the character of him on us. But that only happens through our relationship with Christ. This passage of scripture, I love it because it says we obtain this access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You see, we can stand firm in Christ when we have surrendered. To surrender, that's not something that a lot of us wanna talk about. Right, to surrender, it feels like it's weak and it feels like it's just not, not where we should be. And like, no, when it comes to our relationship with Christ, it's to fully and completely surrender to him. And my question for you is, have you done this? Have you completely surrendered your life to Jesus so that you can experience the freedom in Christ, but also have peace with God? When, when I say, are you, have you surrendered your life? I'm saying, are you all in? Is everything about you, heart, soul, mind, body, family life, your spouse, your marriage, your family and your kids, relationships. Let's even go a little bit further and a little bit more deeper. In your joy, in your sadness, to your anger, have you surrendered everything that you are and everything that you have to the Lord? Because that's what we're asked to do, to surrender every single thing about us. Are we all in? Because Jesus wants all of us he wants every single thing about us. He doesn't want a Sunday-only Christian that's only Christian when you're here in this room. He doesn't you know, want somebody that you, know, you, you act one way at church but a different way in your workplace or in your own family or in your own street or your own ball team or your school. He wants somebody that's all in, somebody that is committed and surrendered to everything that he is. And it, we have to get to this point where we need to stop playing Christian and start living Christian. It is something that we cannot act out. It's not something that we can just portray and display with the things that we do and check off some little boxes about, well, I went to church, you know, I, I read my, my devotional. Like, it's more about a relationship with Christ and being able to surrender everything that we have and everything that we are to him. We have a lot of people in this world, but let me even be a little bit more specific. We have a lot of people in the church as a whole that have one foot in and one foot out, that aren't fully surrendered, that aren't completely surrendered. We need to completely surrender everything that we have and everything that we are to Christ. You know, over the last two years, one of the things I think that happened uh, with COVID is that we've seen a lot of consumer Christianity kind of go away. And what I mean by that was before COVID, I think there was a lot of people that would simply show up to church and check the box and say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I, I was in a life group. But what we've seen is the relationship with Christ wasn't fully there and they were simply just do, going about the motions, checking the boxes. 
And then when COVID comes, and all of a sudden you can't meet for a while, and you start to meet and gather again, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I found, I found other things to do. I found other check boxes to check off each week. And so all of a sudden, Christ and the church is no longer a part of their life. You see, I think consumer Christianity took a big hit, which I'm, I'm grateful for. But at the same time, I would love to see those people here. I'd love to see them involved, to be in community, to serve, and to, to worship together. But they've simply found something else. But something else, as we know, doesn't even match up. Because Jesus is so much better and so much greater. You know, I think about uh, my own just personal relationship with Christ and to realize that uh, in my relationship with him, that it all comes about who Jesus is to me, what he means to me and how I act, the decisions that I make, the way that I live my life. And I want you to understand and to know this, that justification in Christ alone is what makes us a Christian. To be justified by Jesus and what he did on the cross, that's what makes us a Christian. You see, if you truly believe and have hope in Jesus, nothing will stand in your way of experiencing everything God has to offer. But did you hear the beginning of that statement? If you truly believe and have hope. Meaning, do you truly believe and have hope? Do you truly believe that Jesus is the greatest thing in your life? As somebody that is a surrendered, sold out, committed Christian, believes that Jesus is not only the son of God, but somebody that died on the cross for your sins and that you are living your life surrendered and living a life of obedience to him and living a life that glorifies him because that's what we're called to do. And once we are free, then we have joy and we have hope in who God is. But we need to, have, we need to be free. We need to be justified because of Jesus. Not, there's nothing that we can do. There is nothing that you can do to, to live out and to make up for your past sin or your past mistakes or even the ones that are coming, your future sin, your future mistakes. Our life is about bringing glory to God. And it, because the main thing is this, it doesn't belong to us. Our life doesn't belong to us. If you have a relationship with Christ, your life has been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Your life is no longer yours. You belong to him. And our life is all about bringing him glory. And we need to do everything we can to bring glory to God. Whether you in your workplace, in your home, in your family life, relationships that you have, we need to do everything that we can to bring glory to God. And our life's work is to make Jesus famous and to bring him glory. It's not about us. It's not about our legacy. We are to make Jesus famous, not to make ourselves famous, but it's about his legacy that we work for because we have been freed by Jesus Christ. And because of that, we have received peace with God. And because of that, we have hope in an eternity with God. And because we have that hope, leads me to number two, and that's this, I am free in Christ, so now I can endure anything. I can endure anything. When you have hope in Jesus and, or through Jesus and you have a hope of an eternity with God, it's because you have been freed in Christ. And because of that, anything that you go through and anything that you face in this world allows you to endure through that, to make it through that, to suffer well. You know, we can only rejoice in our present suffering if we have hope. And I think we can all agree that sometimes we've, we've made this statement or we think this, we think, man, the world isn't fair, Right? You ever said that, like, man, the world's just not fair. You know what, it's not. The world's not fair, and we always like to follow up or maybe ask this question, why do bad things happen to good people? Can I make a statement about that question? The first problem with the question, why do bad things happen to good people, is this. There is no such thing as good people. Every one of us is sin in our life. 
Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. We are not good people. So the question is really, why do bad things happen to regular people? Or what we're really trying to find out is why do bad things happen to me? That's our question. What I can tell you is this, is obviously the world isn't fair, but like the fact that there's just sin in this world. There is sin that we face. Bad things, you know, they, they don't ultimately stop for Christians. It's not like we have a relationship with Christ and all of a sudden nothing bad's gonna happen. It's not like I give my life to Jesus and now I'm, you know, work's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna get the promotion that I need. My family life's gonna be awesome. My marriage is gonna be better or what? It's not, that's not the case. Being a Christian is difficult. Following Jesus is not easy. It's difficult. It's really, really hard. It's really tough to be able to follow Christ and to live a life that glorifies God in this world that we face right now. And some of you, either right here in the room or watching online, sometimes being a Christian or being what you think is a Christian has become a hobby. It's become a hobby of yours. To like simply, man, I gotta go about these actions, I gotta check off these couple boxes, I gotta do these couple things. When you've never fully surrendered your life to Jesus. You see, being, being a Christian makes a terrible hobby. Let me just tell you. You gotta wake up early on Sunday. Like you come into this building, like people wanna hug you and like it's, man, like it, you gotta sit next to people you don't know. You gotta sing out loud, right? Like, man, who, you know, like we don't, like, we don't wanna do that. We don't wanna sing out loud. That's why we play the music so loud so we don't have to hear your terrible singing voice, okay? Like, we don't, we don't want to be heard, right? We just want to come in and blend in and fit and hear our little thing and then go about it. But the problem is, sometimes this is the only hour of Jesus you get the whole week. And you are missing out on so much. You're missing out on so much. Jesus wants a relationship with you that not only extends from, you know, one hour on a Sunday morning, but that is hourly and daily throughout your entire week. Because he loves you. And he wants to connect with you. You see, temporary suffering that we face on this earth is better than the eternal suffering that awaits us. And, you know, suffering isn't, just to make sure we're clear, it isn't having a job, having to work. It's not, you know, not having the latest iPhone or the big screen TV. It's not when, you know, husbands, when your wife asks you to take out the trash and you're like, just bearing my cross, here I go. You know, taking, like, that's not what, that's not suffering, okay? Like, there, we need to really understand that, that suffering is one of these things that we get, we have the opportunity to endure in this life, but we can do it well and we can glorify God in how we do it. Think about what Paul says in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is not some, uh, you know, national championship pregame speech. This is not about how I can win at this game or anything like this. This is about Paul sitting in a prison saying, I can endure this, this beating, these shackles, this slop they're feeding me because of Christ. And see, we can endure through things, things that we bring on ourselves. You ever bring anything on yourself? You ever make a bad choice, a bad decision? Is your, is your body writing checks, you know, are you writing checks that your body can't cash, you know, kind of a thing, right? Like, what is it? I mean, you know, we have these things that we bring on ourselves. We also have things that others bring on you. Have you ever had somebody do something wrong to you? We all have, right? We've all had things happen to us, but sometimes there are things that just happen in this world because this is a sinful world. It's a fallen world, and sometimes bad, sometimes just bad things happen. Sin happens, you know, disease, cancer, loss of, of job and financial struggles and, and hardship and relational things. These all just happen because we live in a sinful world. But the more that you endure in this time will allow you to endure more the next time. Let me give you a challenge when you're enduring something that is suffering. Don't ask God to take away your suffering. Ask God to make you even stronger to endure it. Don't even, do, don't even ask. 
Say, man, don't ask, like, God, don't take this away. God, make me stronger. Make me stronger to make it through it. And God, allow your power to help me get through it so that you can receive the glory. That should be our prayer, not to take it away. Romans 5, 3 to 4, let me read this again. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. See, enduring suffering creates character that mirrors Jesus. Christ suffered. He endured the suffering. He displayed a character that we should look and strive for. And then he also experienced a hope in the fact that he knew three days later he was going to resurrect from the grave. There was hope that came from him. And when we experience, or excuse me, we endure our suffering, it creates character in us that mirrors who Jesus Christ is in our life. And we grow most of the time, I think we could all maybe see this, we grow most of the time the best or the most when we are under pressure, when we're struggling with, uh, you know, with grief and loss and pain. When we're in a valley, valley, where do we look to? We need to look up to Christ not to look to our friends that are the side, the side us going through the same struggles necessarily, not to look to some self-help book or whatever, but to look to God and to him alone. He is the one that's gonna pull us through. He is the one that's gonna pull us out. So Jesus endured a lot, as we know, and you can too with him in your life. Now, a couple things here on your notes that I wanna give you. Characteristics of someone who is free in Christ. Letter A, looks at the big picture. Someone who is free in Christ looks at the big picture. Not so focused on the here and right now, but focused on eternity, a bigger picture, and say, you know what, I'm suffering through this, or I've gone through this issue or this struggle or this trial right now, but I know there's something greater. I'm gonna look at the big picture, and that's an eternity with God. Philippians 3.14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. To press on toward the goal, to be called upward into you know, into our union with God through Jesus Christ. That is our goal. That's the big picture. But also, someone who is free in Christ, let her be, endures everything for the glory of God. They endure everything for the glory of God. See, how you endure reflects what you truly think about God. How you endure suffering truly reflects what you think about who God is in your life. If you're going through suffering and you set God off to the side and you're like, I can handle it, I can deal with it on my own, you're saying, God, you can't handle this. God, you're not strong enough, you're not powerful enough to get me through this problem, to get me through this, stri- this trial and this struggle. But what we need to realize is that we can do- endure every suffering for the glory of God. And in your darkest moments, where do you turn to? You think about the life of, of Peter and you think about when Jesus was walking on the water as he comes to the boat and he gets closer to the boat and the disciples finally realize that it's him and it's not a ghost. And Peter says, Lord, call me out on the water. Lord, let me step out onto the water too. And so he says, come. And so Peter steps out of the boat onto the water in faith. And we look at Peter's life and we're like, man, dude, that's awesome. The fact that he had faith to step out on the water in that moment. And he steps out and he takes a couple steps. But all of a sudden the storm, the waves pick up, the wind picks up, the, you know, the rain, the story just starts to get crazy and he begins to get distracted and to lose focus on who Jesus is right there in front of him. And in the moment of distraction, he begins to what? He begins to sink because he gets distracted by the problems that are facing him. The things that are coming into his life and into his world and distracting his relationship between him and the Lord. And he begins to sink. And we always look at that story and we think, man, you know, Peter, like Jesus was right there. You should have had more faith. But you know what? I think Peter had a ton of faith. Not only did he step out on water, And then when things did come and attack him and kind of knock him down and cause him to begin to sink, what does he do? Where does he turn? He doesn't turn back to the boat. He doesn't look back to his friends and what's normal and what's common and say, you know, pull me back in. No, when he is sinking, he cries out, Lord, save me. Peter still had faith in the moment of darkness when he was sinking. 
when the trials and the struggles were coming in to his relationship and obstructing his view of who God is, but because he was pursuing after God, because he was seeking after Jesus right there in front of him, he still was able to maintain his focus even, time, even though those things were holding him back. That's the kind of faith we need that we are gonna face struggles and trials of many kinds in our life, but what we need to do is to continue to focus on who Jesus is and to continue to press on and to press forward towards him. The letter C, someone who is free in Christ knows Jesus is greater than anything. To understand that no thing or person can measure up to him, that Jesus is the best. He is the top. He is what we long for and what we strive for and what we desire. And when you suffer well, you will build a character of integrity in your life. Because when you suffer well and you begin to continue to focus on who Jesus is and to understand that my suffering does not match up. It doesn't, it doesn't even count up or level up to who Jesus is. He is so much greater and so much better and bigger than anything that this world can throw at me that I'm so focused on that that these other things are, are meaningless. They're, they're small time, they're temporary. You see, we can experience love, compassion, and hope while glorifying God in our times of suffering. And hope is what fuels our ability to endure suffering. Which leads me to our third and final point, and that's this. I have unshakable hope because I am free in Christ. I have unshakable hope because I am free in Christ. My question for you today is, do you have unshakable hope? Do you have hope that nobody can steal from you, that nobody can take from you, that you can't lose because things are going on and distracting you in your life? That's the kind of hope we wanna have. We wanna have hope that cannot be shaken by some you know, menial temporary problems and struggles that we go through, some you know, distorted and messed up relationships, some past sins and mistakes that have been in our life to realize I have unshakable sin because of Jesus Christ, because I am free in him and him alone. When we have hope in Jesus, we should never be ashamed because everything is right in him. And our identity is built in that. Our identity is not about who we are, but our identity is about who Jesus is. And because of that, we should never be ashamed of him. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16 says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. This is Paul writing. Paul, as you know, had led this, this anti-Christian life, right? Like he, he was persecuting Christians. He was attacking Christians. He was killing Christians. He was out to get Christians. And then he encounters Jesus on the road to Damascus. And Jesus encounters him and, re, and just flips the script, changes his life for who he is. That's what he does to each and every one of us as well. You encounter Jesus in this supernatural way and he begins to change your heart. He begins to change your, your lifestyle and the things that you love and the things that you hate and the, the desire that you have to serve and to love other people, just like Paul. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why isn't he ashamed of the gospel? He's not ashamed of the gospel because it changed his life. It changed his identity and his core. Have you ever been shamed of anything? I've been shameful of things. You? We all have, Right? I mean, I, I take my girls, they're four and seven, and we listen to Disney songs every single stinking day. My knowledge of Disney princess songs is unreal, okay? And so I leave my house, and we got the Disney playlist, and we listen to it on the Spotify, and we drive, and we drop them off at school, and then I leave there, and I come over here to the church. Well, sometimes I forget to turn it off Disney songs after I drop them off. And one day... Right here at the end of school, not too long ago, dropped my girls off, come down 17, windows open, driving my manly truck, listening to some Disney songs. And I'm singing, I pull up to a light where there's some construction going on with some big burly construction guys. And I'm over there like, let it go, let it go. 
And I stopped and I see these guys like, and instantly I felt shame and I hit the mute button real quick. You see, I, I, I felt shame in the moment of what I was doing. Now I was loving it, right? Obviously, I just kept singing. And, but in the moment of seeing somebody else look at me weird, con- confront me, all of a sudden I got shameful real quick and I turned it down. I muted, I turned that thing off. But what I wanna tell you today is that when you have a relationship with Christ and you are living your life out and somebody might look at you weird, somebody might look at you funny, they might say something that's, that's kind of like, what's wrong with you? I'm, not, I'm telling you today, don't mute it. Don't turn it down. Turn it up. Crank it up. Be bold. Do not be ashamed of the gospel that has changed you. And just like Paul says, it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. You have been saved because of the gospel. You have been saved because of Jesus Christ. When you have surrendered your life to him, don't be ashamed about it. Crank it up. Tell everybody that you know about it and don't turn it down. That's what we're called to do. You see, everything that's right with Christ has been placed in us at the cross. And now through the Holy Spirit, we get to experience everything that happened at the cross because of what Jesus did and because of the Holy Spirit that is now with us and it dwells inside of us. We are the receivers of hope as a Christ follower but also we are the givers of hope. And my hope for you is that you would be a hope dealer for others because when you're dealing hope and you're giving hope, you're never gonna run out of it. God's gonna continue to replace that in your life and he's gonna fill you up with hope so that it flows out of you into everybody that you know, into everybody that you meet. And we can withstand anything in this world because the spirit of God and hope of Christ flows in our veins. Don't believe me? Look at Romans 5.5. It says, hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. It's been poured into our hearts. What Jesus did on the cross, the blood that flowed down from the cross is flowing into our heart as somebody that surrendered our life to Jesus. And it now flows out of us as somebody that is providing and giving and offering hope to people that need hope. The love of God that was poured out on the cross, this is now being poured into us daily that we get to experience this. And our unshakable hope that we've been talking about is found in the shadow of the cross. That's the only place you can find hope. There's no relationship. There's no family situation. Maybe it's somebody that's single, man, if I just get married and like, you know, that's, I'll feel joy and I'll feel fulfillment. That's not gonna bring the fulfillment you need. Maybe for those of you in a, in a marriage relationship and like, man, your marriage is maybe just struggling, it's tough, it's difficult. Like, if we just get this figured out, then I'll, I'll feel fulfilled. Let me tell you this, without Christ, you are not gonna feel fulfilled. If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, you will never experience fulfillment. You'll never experience unshakable hope. So we need to quit trying to justify ourselves and our sins and our mistakes and the things that we do with our good works. But it only comes through a relationship with Christ. And in Christ, we are daily being made more and more into Christ's image as his love flows in us and it flows out of us. And my hope for you today is that you would wanna surrender your life to Jesus and experience unshakable hope. And it doesn't matter where you come from, it doesn't matter where you've been, but what matters is that you would understand and know that Jesus is calling on you. He's saying, come to me. Surrender yourself to me, surrender your life to me so that you can experience a hope that nothing else can take away, that nothing else can measure up to to know that I am greater is what he is saying to you. So that's my hope for you today, is not only that you would stop trying to justify your past mistakes and your past sins by good works and good deeds, but that you would trust in the only one that can provide a hope 
that far outlasts anything that this world has to offer. Let's pray. Father God, this morning, Lord, I wanna thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. And Father, for your word that it speaks to each and every one of us. God, I wanna thank you for the message of Romans 5. Father, that we can understand that we are only justified by our faith in you. It's the only way. Father, so many people in this room are watching online, God. They've been trying to justify their past actions and mistakes with good deeds. With the idea of, if I just will do something better, I can make up for all of the things I've done wrong. But God, that's not what you tell us. Your word is clear when it tells us that we are only justified through our faith in you. Father, it's as simple as that, is to repent of our sin, to believe that your son Jesus is the one that died on the cross, and to confess you as Lord and Savior of our life. Father, that's my hope for all of us this morning, is that as we experience a life that where we surrender to you completely and fully, that God, you would bring to us fulfillment of joy, hope, and peace found in your son Jesus Christ. And that God, that we can live that out each and every day of our life as the Holy Spirit flows in us and out of us. Father, we love you, and we're thankful for your son Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.